friendly message of pay attention, you know, uh, to life and uh, what life does. Uh, if you're with us this morning, uh, it's great to have you. Great to see some old friends here. Great to see some new friends. Great to see some new families out to church. Great to see the, the members of, of Shoreline. And uh, just really grateful uh, for this morning. Thank you, Victor, for really sharing your transformonial of how, how really God has changed you. And, and, you know, I would have never thought you were that man. I would have never. The, the man you pictured is the man I do not know. And uh, it's, you're, you're a totally, completely different person. And for that, God gets all the credit. You know, in our series this week, uh, we went over a recovery road. and How to recover ourselves spiritually. Uh, just, if you're a Christian, even if you're not a Christian, even if you... You, you just barely believe in God and you're, you're, you're somehow coerced to come to church this morning. You know, we're always trying to recover ourselves to put ourselves on better footing. And so today's topic is a spending crisis. Uh, when I think of spending crisis, I think of two things. Time and money. A lot of fun names for money nowadays. I'm sure you've heard a lot of names for, for, for money as we... I was growing up, it was called Skrilla, Cheddar. Right? Uh, it's called, you know, uh, Kaching, you know. Uh, it's called, uh, you know, Sawbucks. What do you want to call it? I don't know how far you go back in time. Greenbacks. You go back to the 30s. You know, it's a lot of w- w- different things. And we care about these two things. We care about time. And we care about our money. And so there is a spending crisis with both of these in our culture today. There is a crisis when, that's when you really kind of notice you start to wake up. You know, you, you wake up when, you're, when, you, when you hear the fire alarm going off in your house, you're going, the, the, there's something happening here. You know, sometimes it takes financial disaster to wake us up. Sometimes when our health goes bad, we start waking up. You know, I just turned uh, 41. Uh, my wife and I are, are juicing. Wow, we're eating, we're, we're, we're putting in spinach, all the vegetables that I hate eating, and I'm putting them with a little apple, and bam, that's pretty good. I like it in the morning. Yesterday, I didn't, I didn't juice yesterday, this morning I felt kind of, my body's like, hey, what you feed me? Spending crisis, where am I spending my time, where am I spending my energy? Yesterday I realized, on Friday I realized, for the very first time, as I was with campus ministry and we were praying together and, and Karen asked me to read this list of people to pray for and I said, okay. And I closed my eyes real tightly and I, said, I look at the list and it's a little blurry. I'm like, ah, oh, I closed my eyes too tight. You know when you do that, it's kind of like you get your time. You close it for a long time, you can't see very well. Then about 20 minutes later, I said, give me that list. I still can't see it. I said, give me the Bible. I can't read it. Realized but I need some glasses. Oh, oh. Tragedy in my life. <laughs> Wake up call. I don't wear glasses. Other people wear glasses. Two years ago I had 15-20 vision. I can look at a fly and know what it's doing on the wall. Now I can't see anything. I can't read anything. I'm in a crisis. I go to Lance Crafter. That's a shameless plug. I'm sorry. Where do you spend it? Where do you spend your time? Where do you... If it's so valuable, how do you spend it? Are you reckless with it? Do you not care? 
I know if you're in college, you don't care about time. Time is of no value to you. You can, all, you can be out till 3 in the morning and still be at church. Amen? Yeah. You don't care how late you are. I care how, how, how late I go to bed. There's also, a, within this crisis, there's a relational crisis. Think about your relationships. Are they in crisis? Think about your marriage. Are they in crisis? Is it in crisis? Did you know that 40% of children in our country grow up without their biological father in the home? Yeah. If you just got married or about to get married or been married, let me, let me challenge you with something here. I hope you have a vision for your family. Come on. Yeah. If you don't have a vision for your family, you ought to get one quickly because let me tell you the vision that usually happens. Here's the vision when you don't have a vision. Here's what happens when you don't. You're deciding who gets 50% custody. You're deciding the schedule pickup. You're deciding how and when you'll spend time with your kids on the weekends. There's a crisis. There's a relational crisis. If you don't have a vision for your family, that's where it's going to end up. That's why it's so important you have a vision of where you want your family to be. And maybe the building's on fire now. Hey, at least you're waking to that. Like Victor woke up. Hey, I'm waking up. He could not sustain what he was doing. He had no vision for his family. Where the woman gets left to raise the boys. I grew up in that family. My mother was left to raise us while father was away. Four boys. Four wild Indians. (laughs) Think about that for a second. Think about my relationship skills that I never got developed. One of the most precious things I can do for me is spend time with my son and my daughter. Let me give you some some statistics. The number of minutes per week that a parent spends, this is the survey, I'm sorry, a research uh, development by Cal State Northridge, uh, researched this, and here are the statistics on the amount of time a parent spends in meaningful conversation with their children. Not correcting them. Not yelling at them. But a meaningful conversation. Just you and me, son. You and me, daughter. Meaningful. No conflict. No crisis. Just us talking. 3.5 minutes. 3.5 minutes a week. Now stop and think about your conversation with your kids for a second. Does that add up to you? 3.5. Meaningful. How was your day? How are you doing? That's great. Not while you're on the computer going, how was your day? How was your day? Oh, really? Interesting. Meaningful. Engaging. There's a crisis. The percentage of four to six-year-olds who... When asked to choose between watching TV and spending time with their fathers, preferred television, this is the percent I'm about to give you. They were asked this question, do you want to hang out with your dad or do you want to watch TV? You're all murmuring right now, huh? (coughs) Survey says? 54%. 54%. More than half of the kids would rather watch TV than hang out with their dad. 
I was one of those. When dad came home, I had to look busy and make sure everything was in place. But when he came home, everything about the atmosphere of our house changed dramatically. He came home edgy, and one misstep, this nice brown leather belt that he was wearing can come off. So the atmosphere at home for me, when I asked that question, I'd rather, back then it wasn't so much TV because we only have four, eight, seven channels, but, but I would be out of the house. I'd be gone. I'd want to go. I wouldn't want to come back till I was made to come back. There's a crisis. Crisis going on in our lives. The percentage of Americans that regularly watch television while eating dinner. Survey says 66%. We watch dinner. Instead of having meaningful conversation, we turn on the tube and watch the show. 66%. The crisis is the family nucleus of the amount of time that we spend with them is breaking down. It's breaking down right before your eyes. What are you doing about that? I can't do anything for you but inform you and inform your conscience. That's all I can do. I can't take you in my car, drive you to your house, make sure that you're going to have this time with your kid. You have to do that. You've got to decide that. Because your kids are already creating their own testimony of their life. It's, it's a movie playing out in their life. And, and 15, 20 years from now, they're going to share about life at home. And I would want my children to say, you know what, whether they become Christians or not, that's their choice. But they know that, that I spent time with them, I engaged them, I loved them. I would want them to leave my home knowing that. No matter what they do, no matter who they are, our relationship is good. That's what I want. That's my vision. I want a great family, a great relationship with my son, because I wish I had that with my dad. I wish. We got a better one now, but I'm old now. I'm wearing glasses like him now. (laughs) Amen. What if? Ever think about that? Think about your life right now. What if you hadn't made that decision you made How would your life be different? What if? And we can live in the past and and convince ourselves how how terrible decisions we made or we can live for the future. What if we changed our priorities? What if from today on we made a decision to change what's important to the family? What are we doing to change? You know what? Working 70 hours a week is not going to get me to the place I want to be with my family. What if we change that? But this is, there's not only a spending crisis with time, there's a spending crisis with money. You may have put yourself in a position where it keeps you from home. Right. Hey, I built me a big castle. I got to be away from home now. And there's a crisis brewing. And you may not even be aware of the crisis. It's, it's brewing. So there is a crisis going on. 
Big castle means less time at home. You can't have it all and win. Something's always going to give. But we like to think this out to ourselves. No, I can do it all. I'm really smart. No. You can't have it all. One, something always gives. You can look like you have it all. And look at your relationships at home. That's one way. What if we turn to God for answers instead of our culture? Because our culture reinforces the obvious. Have more, buy more, invest more. You need this, you need that, you need it now, as a matter of fact. Do this, do it now, and you'll be happy. Notice the commercials. If you buy this, it's going to bring so much joy to your life. We ban our kids from watching commercials. We record all their shows by strategy. We fast forward. We teach them commercials. They just want to trick you and sell you something. So our kids are fast forward. Commercials, Dad. Commercials. Because if our kids get honed in on that, that that is not true. They're not helping me with my vision of my family. So our kids only watch recorded shows. And we love the fast forward button in our house. We, we want them to be annoyed at commercials. Fast forward that. Because they, all they're going to do is fill my kids up with a bunch of stuff that's going to take them away from our relationship. Son, that little game there is not going to make you happy. You and me having a great relationship makes, is going to make you happy. <coughs> you know, we just got to talk about that. Let me ask you a question. What's most important to you? What worldview do you have? Worldview, I mean, I mean what, do you, what do you believe? Now, we believe in the biblical worldview. Where the, where the dad is the head of the house, the wife is his partner, the mother and father are unified and together, and the children have each responsibilities. That's the biblical worldview. What is your worldview? What if? What if we stopped talking about it and actually did it. What if we stop talking about, I'm going to do this, this is going to be great, and you actually did did something. You know, when I was growing up, there was an old, was an old Nike commercial that I, I used to watch. People were talking, and the whole thing was, just do it. Stop talking about it, just do it. And on the street, we used to, we used to say something, if you're, if you're from the street, if you're from the, 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 the unsavory parts of the neighborhood, they would say this, Talk is cheap. That's what they would tell you. Talk is cheap. That meant, those are the words, those are the words you utter to another man just before you went fist to cuff. That was just the words you hear that it's on now. Because you were talking, he was talking, and when talk is cheap, oh, here we go now, it's on. You had no choice but to throw a punch. Because at that point, something, someone had to do something. What if we actually did it? Not raise your fist to your family, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but what if you actually decided to change your priorities? What if you said, I'm going to work less? But we can't have this. I'm going to work less because I want to spend more time here. Yeah. What if you decided that? I'm not going to travel as much on my job. Well, you won't have a job. I may have to get another job. But this is a comedy. Hey, what's important to you? The culture doesn't dictate what you can do. 
Well, that means we might fall before the poverty line. What's important to you? You want to appear like you have it all together? Or do you want to actually be all together? What's important to you? What do you think about? What are you connected to? Those are great questions to answer for yourself. Then again, I'm not going to see you this afternoon. Your kids will see you. Your friends will see you. Paul, one of the apostles of the Bible, he was a man, he was a man who had it all. Prestige, respect, honor, trained in the best school, the Harvards of Harvards in this culture, from this place where it was kind of known as the, the place of wisdom and literature. It's called Tarsus. He grew up kind of knowing and being trained and having so much. And he was given orders to chase down these, this new brand of people who claimed to know God and they were called the Christians. They called themselves disciples, but everyone else called them the Christians. And he, and he was told, go stomp them out. So a man with stature had papers, had orders, had, had authority, went out and started stamping out and crushing the Christian cause. And on the road, and on the way to the, uh, on the way to the city called Damascus, Jesus. I mean, I know when you read that it's bizarre, and it's kind of whoa, that's strange. But Jesus came down, boom, and just lit him up, literally lit him up with light. <laughs> And started talking to him. And he, made, he was blind for three days. Had time to think about it. His eyes were opened by one of the disciples. And he made a decision. He made the what if. I, and you know he's thinking. What if. I follow and believe. The words of Jesus. What would happen to my life. That's exactly what he did. And then as, as he becomes this follower of Jesus. Everyone's going wait. Were you the guy that was destroying the church? Now you're supporting them? He had it all. He had much to lose. He had a lot to lose. The reputation he built, the people he influenced on a grand scale, he had so much to lose. And as he, as he writes and he reflects back on his life, as he gives you his transformonial, this is what he says, I consider everything a loss. I consider it a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. As he's looking back, I wasted so much of my life. It was a lose for me. That's what he says. The man who had it all. Prestige, respect, and honor. Says, it was a loss. Not only that, but he says, for whose sake I lost all things. You think, well, that's depressing. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. He says, my former life of respect, prestige, power, authority. He says, it was rubbish. It was trash. And in Spanish we say, basura. It was nothing. That's what you heard Victor say. 
my life of freedom on my own, call my own shots, do what I want to do. He says, man, I messed it up. Paul was a man of God killing people. Something's wrong with that picture, right? I'm a Christian. I'm here to destroy you. Or I mean, if I follow God, I'm here to destroy you. That was kind of his thing. He says, it's rubbish. Here is a man who, who made it. He wasn't what if anymore. What if he actually did it? What if he changed your life? What if you realize your life right at this point, man, it, it's, it's not going the way I thought it would go. What if? What if you took a biblical worldview of your life? What would happen? Then you got the other side of the coin. Now is a you know relational time. Where do you spend it? This is a financial crisis, right? If you don't feel that, I don't know what planet you're on, <laughs> or you're successfully retired. Amen to that. But our crisis is money. Yep. I showed a video last week. You know my video. You and I are, you know, we're getting, you're holding me a little too close, right? Some of us, we didn't like that video. We're like, no, I'm going to hold you tighter. Right? Let me give you some reality about money. You can't have everything you want. We, know, we love to grab into the future and buy things. We're like, it's magical. I did it. I didn't have any money. But I gave this little two by three card and I got it <laughs> and it was so magical and I grabbed it and I, I got it and it was so cool you know when you go to college yeah. they, have, they have desks waiting for you yeah. they got t-shirts they got water bottles they got keychains they got a free textbook if you just sign up yeah. sign up because you can grab into the future and don't have to worry about it. Pay for it later. If every time you have to grab into the future, that means you ain't got it. And if you ain't got it, you can't have everything. What if you change the way you think about how you buy stuff? Yeah. Everything on the old, oh, it's old. Everybody's saving for it. That's old-fashioned. <laughs> you know, when I was growing up as a kid, I wanted something for my girlfriends. Lay away. <laughs> I had to go up there and put my ten dollars and hold it. It's mine, bro. Mine. I come back. See next month. Come back again. Lay away. It's mine. Yeah. And she'd get it and she'd throw it at some out the window after a fight. <laughs> Lay away. Even though I knew that, when I went to college, they said I get that T-shirt just to sign up. I'm. I'm winning over on you, buddy. Free shirt for Gio. I'm never going to use this. Hello. I grab it in the future. I thought I was tricking them. But they had. They knew the strategy. They had it down to a science. They knew one thing. I lack self-control. They knew it. Not only can you, have, you can't have everything you want, you can't even have everything you once could afford. Oh, I remember back then, I had this job. 
can't everything you once could afford. Times will change. Living like you had money before. Living like you're living in the past. Your spending habits are the same, but your, your situation is now different. It always gets you when something happens. Whenever your job shifts or lose a job, it exposes the crisis. No money in savings, no money for a rainy day, and then there you have your crisis. Imagine if you change the way you spend money. Imagine when you get money having that feeling of, now I have extra money, I can go buy something. Imagine you said, no, I'm going to put this away. Imagine if you changed the way you thought about money. Imagine. Not only can't you have everything you once could afford, you have to live on a budget. Wow. That is the best practical anyone could ever give you. Okay, now this doesn't say you have to write a budget. Because everyone in this room that has any common sense writes a budget, right? Okay, that's, not what I, that's not the practical here. Not just write about it. I, didn't, I specifically use the word live. Right there, let me, let me laser it for you. Vive, right there. Live. Live. Not right. Because we love to... Bro, I have my budget. Right there. Super responsible. We know what happens when you have that in your heart and your mind. It's just a piece of paper that's on your hard drive and you never see it again. Living means you look at it every month. And you're actually going, I'm going to input the actual amount of money that was spent on what I said I would spend. That's living on a budget. Most people don't do that. They, they do the old, I'm going to shoot from the hip. Yeah, we got money in there. Yeah, we got some money in there. And then the automatic withdrawal start going, whoa, and this is gone. And you're negative, you know, 400. You know, when you're in the old western and you're in a duel, you don't shoot from the hip. You got to pull it out. You got to aim. Got to be quick. Live on a budget. You know what we do in the Garza's house? So we actually track our expenses. Okay, let me explain. Let me let me preface that. I hate doing that. I despise it. It annoys me. I'm irritated by it. Right? I want you to know the feeling behind it. Okay. Dean told me that and I almost slapped him when he said it because that's too hard it's insane you love numbers I don't love numbers I hate numbers I hate you but what he said was true undeniable fact but I hated it I hated it because it made me look at who I really am and it lifted Karen higher and higher and higher. She's so frugal. She's so awesome. I'm the nutty spender. I'm the nuts. I'm the crazy guy. I get money. I want to spend it. Because my dad didn't give me any. I want to go nuts. You want to know what my allowance was when I grew up? I asked my dad, Dad, what's my allowance? You know, all these kids in America, they get allowance. Ronnie gets an allowance. Derek gets an allowance. Omari gets an allowance. Matt gets an allowance. Where's my allowance? He says, you're eating it. (laughs) That's your allowance. You're eating it. That convicted me, but it didn't teach me how to live on a budget. Wish man I would have done that. So now I'm this crazed maniac. 
Extra money in the budget? <laughs> I know what to do with this. Right? You laugh because you're like me too. Don't let your chairs rise up. <laughs> let your chairs rise up. This is God's worldview. When the money runs out, you're going to have to quit spending. I hate, play, I, hate, I hate having to play catch up for the craziness I did the, the month before. Because you can't spend it like that. We ran them up with negative. Negative meant this, and it, it impacted this. And so now you're just trying to recover, and so it's a painful recovery. You know, this year for Christmas presents, you know what we did? We took our food budget, and we ate out of the food in our pantry. And we saved money, and we bought Christmas presents. Versus have foot move from the pantry, reach into the future. It's magical. We stopped, we ate what was in our, you know, we found the most glorious food hiding in the back of the pantry. We, felt, we could have fed four families back there. There was just stuff sitting there and sitting there and sitting there that we'd always replenish. When it got halfway down, you'd replenish it because you, oh, again, we need food. We had so much food in there in cans, though. It was awesome. This is God's worldview. The Lord will open up the heavens, the storehouse of His bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. God is with you. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. God's worldview is that you're the one that's borrowing the money out, not, not receiving help. You'll, you'll lend. That's the worldview that God has. Because it's, it's better to make interest than to pay interest. It's better to put your money in a mutual fund and it's making interest than you paying interest. And most American families, we pay interest. We pay and we pay and we pay and we make little. Imagine if you make interest. You'd be fired up, wouldn't you? You'd be excited. That would change everything. But it's not a what if. You got to actually go do it. You have to go do it. I don't have all the answers. We have people in this church that are amazing at getting people on plans of getting themselves in all financial great footing. I encourage you to talk to those people in the fellowship. It's better to make interest than to pay interest. Amen. Because God is very clear: the rich will rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Once you're in debt to someone. You're their slave. They own you. They'll make life difficult for you. How do you know this deal? Stop paying your mortgage for one month. Then try to go buy something on credit. They will make your life very, very difficult. That's the first step we like to write is our mortgage. Because we know how serious that is. The implications are devastating. But there's hope for recovery. There's hope. It's God's worldview. What if, what if you embrace that? What if you stop coming to church and playing church and just coming to sit down and you actually did something spiritual? Instead of just checking off the box, I was at church on Sunday. Yeah, awesome. People think I'm great. And you choose life change. 
What if you actually listen to your spouse, your spouse and what she's been telling you for years? That's sometimes my reality. Kansas says she's usually right, but it's like, I get all emotional. No, it can't be. Can't be. Can't be true. Like bacteria and viruses and stuff. Can't be true. It's true. I sort of pay more attention to that. I had life change. Gio washes his hands. Life change. Oh, you didn't know that, did you? I grew up without washing these hands. That's how I grew up. I didn't wash hands growing up. Only if it was obviously muddy would I wash them, obviously, because you can't have mud and food at the same time. But I never washed hands. Ever. Didn't like it. I didn't like washing my hair. Just didn't like it. Didn't do it. And then these things called lice started growing in my hair. And there was a... There were generations in there. Grandfather to grandchildren living in my hair. I I, I have jet black hair. I have black hair. And one day at school, they said, you have lice, you got to go home. So I went home and said, Mom, I said I got lice. She says, really? You got lice? She been taking showers? I said, no. She said, come here in the kitchen. Mom's from Nicaragua, Managua, specifically. She lived in a little village. She grew up, came to America at age 20. She says, I, I, I know, but they say they go, should go to a doctor. No, no, we don't need a doctor. I got a doctor right here. <laughs> Reached down in the box, spray, read the bottle, said, Mom, that's raid. Got <laughs> <laughs> a plastic bag, wrapped it up, sit there for 10 minutes. So I sat on the couch with this bag of raid in my hair. Take a shower. Went to school the next day. They check your hair. You're clean. What happened? Oh, my mom put a rain in my hair. The nurse said, That'll do it. You're going to have to choose what you're going to do. You're going to have to decide what you're going to do. Let me give you some steps. Here's an action step. Join a Bible study for life change. Too many people want the Bible study just for knowledge. Let me tell you something. Knowledge doesn't always bring life change. Knowledge can make you, the Bible says, can puff you up and make you prideful. Study the Bible for life change. And number two, come back next week because we got a new series. It's called Climate Change. We're going to talk about more relationships. What's the climate you leave when you come home? What kind of climate do you leave? I know when my dad came home, I know what kind of climate. It went from sunny to thunderstorms. So join us next week for our Climate Change series. Thank you very much, guys.